All in a group, group, group. Hit my essays, I need the boost. About to turn this function in the final room. Told her I've been, you coming too. In the 30303, treat me like I'm Uncle Lou. Slot the top off, it's just a roof. Uh. She said, Where we going? And I set the moon. We ain't even make it to the room. She thought it was the ocean, and it's just a boat. Stop me, I'm all the way up. You're listening to the Mac and Main Show. We're on to Cincinnati. On 98.1 WQAQ. You believe in miracles? Yes! It's out of here! Bartolo has done it! The soundtrack of Quinnipiac. What's going on, sports fans? You're listening to the Mac and Main Show on 98.1 WQAQ, the soundtrack of Quinnipiac. I'm Stephen McAvoy alongside Jack Maine. So, Jack, you were in New York City this weekend. Yes, that I was all about it. That's very true. So, uh, the radio station uh, selected uh, seven seven kids to go to New York and attend the IBS conference, the Intercollegiate Broadcasting uh, Conference in New York City. It was really great. They sent us out. Um, and we went to basically talk about all kinds of like different, you know, different different ways to improve your radio station. And it was really a great way to get a lay of the land of of how everyone else runs their station. There were representatives from Seattle and from uh, Iowa and and other states and other other schools in Connecticut, Massachusetts. You know, just all around. There was Indiana State University was there. It was just a really cool way uh, to you know kind of get to learn how other uh, other radio stations operate and. I mean, I have to say, WQAQ, we are, we have, after hearing what other radio stations have, I feel like we have a very, we have very solid footing here. So uh, I'm glad to be part of uh, of this of this system that we have over here in southern Connecticut. Awesome, man. I, I love to hear it. Honestly, I had a weekend that was jam-packed with uh, a lot of excitement, but one thing that I want to really like vent about before we start up is, I don't know if like, the sports gods hate us or... Uh, like whatever it is, but all of the good and juicy sports news always happen after our shows, middle of the week. Like, like I, I, I'm gonna just uh, push it back to like two weeks ago. I had to pull out a bit for the Blitz for Six about a dog show. Meanwhile, Manny Machado and Bryce Harper decided to sign literally the Tuesday and Wednesday after our shows were uh, the past two weeks. So like, oh yeah, I, like and like I get it. Uh, basketball and hockey regular season, which are two sports that are that don't get a lot of media coverage until the playoffs are. Our thing, but like, why couldn't anything happen in the last two weeks of our show where I'm pulling out Daytona news and I'm pulling out uh, no, the dog with cancer? I hear you. It was just, you know, it happens all the time. I feel like, I feel like, you know, we're you and I are two huge, huge baseball guys, and for them, for like, no baseball news to happen in like four days, it kills me. Yeah, and like the and like we have there's seven days in between each show, and. I mean, it just, it all happens to be on, like, the Tuesday after, and then we have to wait six days to, bri- which, uh, for all you guys out there, they're like, oh, they're just being petty. But no, like, that's old news by then. And then, like, for all, like, five Twitter followers we have, we can only update them on so much. But anyways, we're starting to rant. We're but we have to, to go nuts. but let's plug the social. Tweet us at Mac and Main on Twitter, and also you can hit up our phone lines, 203-582-5555, 203 203- Five eight two five 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 five. Anyway, so we're going to start off the show talking about baseball. Now that Bryce Harper and Manu Machado are both off the board, with one little question from your little brother first. Uh, yeah. So, so actually, um, I have a very personal personal connection to this question uh, of the fact that is Bartolo Colon a Hall of Famer? And I mean, I don't think he is, but um, I I believe he for is. a guy who was sitting on a couch eating popcorn, watching him hit his first home run off Robbie Erlin against the Padres. That was wild. He hit it off James um, Shields, actually. Oh, was? Yes. Oh, damn it. All right, sorry. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. That was a total sidebar. But well, let's get right into it. So Bryce Harper is, is now in Philly. Free agency can really now begin. Meanwhile, no one is really left. Um, but Craig Kimbrell and Dallas Keuchel are, are going to really be uh, headlining the news now. Washington Nationals are reportedly interested in Kimbrell. The problem is, is that there's concerns over them surpassing the luxury tax and not being able to pay it off. So, 
I mean, I think that we need to look at the fact that Bryce Harper left Washington for a division rival, and I'm sure everyone in Washington is 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 a little feeling a little butthurt that he didn't go out west to uh, to San Diego or to or to San Francisco or even to the American League to play in Chicago. But now he's in the Philadelphia organization. The Phillies have a very promising young group of players, uh, and. And Harper is a generational talent. He has that potential to be a Hall of Famer in 20 years or 15 years or however long he decides to play. So if Harper, which he just signed a 13-year, $330 million contract, it's insane. Obscene. That is that's just ridiculous. I, I can't even put together like that. That doesn't even like comprehend in my head. I mean, like, so all right. So the one thing that I was uh, actually... This actually uh, segues well. So I'm uh, I'm writing an article. It's my first article ever for uh, for the uh, for, for the from the bleachers, um, writing corporation group, and it's all about how the mega deal is ruining baseball. And in my opinion, I feel like the Phillies are kind of working themselves into a hole now, because with, with the Harper signing, with having to now pay JT Realmuto in, in two years, in my opinion, they're overpaying for Andrew McCutcheon. Gene Segura has to get paid. Granted, Aaron Nola got a very, very, very uh, well-strung deal with the Phillies that actually helps the Phillies out tremendously, but now they're looking into Mike Trout. They, they're talking about Dallas Keuchel on a three-year deal, but this is starting to look like what I what we saw eight years ago with the Tigers when they had uh, Miguel Cabrera. They signed him to his huge, to his huge mega deal. They, they, they then ha- had to sign Justin Verlander. Prince and Fielder, they, and they couldn't do Curtis it. Granderson, and now look at them. They're, they're at the bottom of the table. I think also what happened with Texas, with A-Rod, you're looking at, at a team that put too much money into one guy and then had to get subsequent guys after that, Mark Teixeira, Michael Young, Hank Blaylock, and then just couldn't handle it. Because, yeah, and that's exactly what happens is is you kind of have to string these guys along, these younger players. You have to you string them along for seven years once they break the majors, and then if they're good enough, like, like Harper is and, and like Machado is, they then go and they leave for the, the, big, the big dough. And it's, and it's tough because you handcuff yourself, and unless you have an owner that's willing to spend big bucks, you're not going to be able to compete in the future because you're handcuffed to, to one guy for 10 years and you're, and you're paying him $30 million a year, which gives you not a lot of room to pay the rest of the 25 guys and then even the 45 guys, or the, yeah, the 40 guys on your, on your major league roster. And that is a very great point that you brought up because in in that little spiel that you just had, you brought up uh, Mark Teixeira and Michael Young and Alex Rodriguez and the Texas Rangers. You also brought up Albert Pujols, I'm pretty sure. No, I did not, but actually okay. that, that works well, though, because like, Albert Pujols signed a 10-year, $250 million deal. So I think that's Trout, worse than the Jacoby Ellsbury deal. I mean, anything is worse than the Jacoby Ellsbury deal at, at this point. Like, what the, the problem with the Pujols deal is that now you're, that now they handcuffed themselves. They couldn't manage anything anything with Jared Weaver. They had to get rid of Francisco Rodriguez. Yeah. Uh, they lost. They, they're now losing Mike Trout because... because even if the Angels try and sign him long term, Mike Trout's going to get four hundred million dollars, so, or at least three fifty. So every single dollar, every single cent of a major league contract is guaranteed. It's not like the NFL where if you sign a fifty million dollar contract, only thirty million of that is guaranteed money. Um, every single dollar, if you sign Bryce Harper, just signed a three thirteen year three hundred thirty million dollars, he is going to get. All three hundred and thirty million dollars of that contract, and he did not defer any money either. So he is getting paid until he's getting paid for the next thirteen years, thirty million dollars. Well, I mean, the only caveat of the of the Harper deal, I'm actually looking at it right now on Spot Track. Uh, he's only going to make eleven and a half million this year, but for the next five years, he's going to make actually the next ten years, he's going to make twenty seven and a half million dollars, and then revert back to twenty three and a half million. But he's he's getting paid till twenty thirty one, so that is just insane. He he currently only makes up eight percent of the payroll, but he's gonna make up twenty four percent of the payroll come next year. It's Jake Arrieta is getting paid. Gene Segura is getting paid. Uh, you got to realize that now now the the Phillies are, have to sign, they have to re sign Scott Kingery, who's our top prospect. So I want to bring in 
you know, for all because you and I are, are against the mega deal, you and I would both rather pay Adam Jones two years, ten million. Well, right, well like, look, like if you can get Bryce Harper, a, a, a generational talent, get him. Right. But I think it's a lot more affordable for a player to sign a three-year deal where, where in case the, in case the big league club gets handcuffed and they got to get rid of you, they can get rid of you. So. We are going to bring in. Uh, that was a little bit of a uh, technical uh, difficulty right there. <laughs> I hit the wrong button. We are going to bring in a a guy that was interviewed on a show earlier today. Um, a guy that you and I both dislike as a baseball player, and he's he, this guy signed two of these mega deals, and he's going to talk about why it's good for the game. I'm always going to take the side of the players because what we have to do with our players is we have to draft them, we have to develop them. And then we have to pay them. And that arc is called the American Dream. And that works in Hollywood. It works in baseball and sports. And it works in America. You know, it's funny. People scream and shout when a player signs for $300 million. But when the Dodgers trade for north of $2 billion or the Marlins trade for north of a billion, nobody says anything. It's like big, big, bad America is supposed to make all the economics. But in a world, it should be more democratic. And if the industry has gone from a billion dollars to $10 billion, it's good for it to be spread around and for players to get paid in a big way, and it's guaranteed. So that was Alex Rodriguez talking on The Herd with Colin Coward earlier today and basically saying how these players are worth that money and they should get paid that money because they worked their tails off through however many levels of minor leagues, and then they make it to the major leagues, and they become that generational talent, which means that they deserve all that money. But the problem is, is that I've been, that I've been, I, I, like, I've been saying it with the NBA, and now granted, the MLB is total, is a totally different animal because of the fact that you have no salary cap and it's all just luxury taxes. But look at the NBA. <coughs> Excuse me. You got it. The ninth man on the Atlanta Hawks bench is Kent Bazemore. Kent Bazemore is making seventeen and a half million dollars to shoot twenty three percent from the floor. That's obscene. LeBron James is making $35 million, and we're going to get into it later, to lead a train wreck in Los Angeles. And, and we, are, that we have an entire segment later in the show dedicated to LeBron and the Lake Show. But um, bringing it back to the MLB, so what you're saying here is you're saying that because he's getting paid all this money, he should win right away. Is that right? I mean, they should be winning right away, but the problem is, is that, and I, and I was talking about it, when you look at all of the mega deals that have happened uh, since 2001, post-A-Rod, Robinson Cano to the Mariners in 2014, Zach Greinke to the Diamondbacks in 2016, both bad deals, Eric Hosmer to the Padres in 2018, Alfonso Soriano to the Cubs in 07, and then I'm going go, uh, to go to 2016 again. Justin Upton and Jordan Zimmerman that went to Detroit in 2016. Oh, my God. I forgot about the Jordan Zimmerman, Jordan Zimmerman contract. Jason Worth to the Nationals in 2011. Barry Zito to the Giants in 07. Carlos Beltran to the Mets in 05. And Jose Reyes to the Marlins in 2012. Those are, thir- those are 13 of 37 deals where a player has made over $100 million plus. And outside of the Nationals, Mets, and the Cubs... None of those teams made the playoffs or even broke 500 the three subsequent seasons after signing signing those players. A-Rod got traded. Granted, now uh, like like the Diamondbacks, uh, the Hosmer deal, the Zimmerman, uh, Zimmerman, uh, Zimmerman and Upton deals uh, haven't reached reached three years yet. But the Tigers are a dumpster fire. The Mets are slowly growing up. But after Beltron left in in '09. It was three, four, five years of just absolute crap. Um, Zach Greinke and the Diamondbacks. They lost A.J. Pollock. They're losing Archie Bradley. They're, they lost Pat Corbin. It's a dumpster fire. Robinson Cano left for the Mets. They now have Jay Bruce as their best player. Like, these teams aren't growing. They're not making any sustainability. So these big contracts are just ruining rosters. So I... I Hundred percent agree with you, and you have to. So you have to really rely. I feel like the system in baseball right now is rely on your farm system more. Because look at the my two examples that I'm going to pull out here are two awesome examples. Because it's the, they're the two best teams in baseball. They are the Houston Astros and the Boston Red Sox. Are run on homegrown players, and then you have and then you pick and choose the players that you want to get. Yeah. And then it works out. So you look at the Houston Astros because they won the year before the Red Sox. The Houston Astros home grew 
Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve, George Springer, and um, Alex Bregman. And then they went out and they traded for Justin Verlander when they needed him. You also, you also need to factor in Dallas, Dallas Keuchel for those three solid years and Lance yep. McCullers. Okay, yeah. And so they home grow those guys too. And then you go out and, and like I said, you go out and you grab the guy that you need. So they went out and they grabbed Justin Verlander for for, Lincoln, whole, for next like, to nothing. Yeah. Yeah, because those guys were on the last legs of their mega deals that those other teams couldn't afford. And then we're gonna look at the Red Sox. Homegrown, Mookie Betts, Andrew Benintendi, Jackie Bradley Jr., Xander Bogarts. And then you go out and you get the guy that you need, Chris Sale, yeah. Craig Kimbrell. You go out and you Jay get Martinez. the J. Martinez. You go out and you get the guy that you need, but you have to rely on that homegrown talent because they don't cost you nearly as much as as Albert Pujols or Mike Trout or or Bryce Harper, or Manny Machado. Those names that I just mentioned combined have one ring: Albert Pujols with yeah. the Cardinals before exactly. he signed that mega deal. And I think what's I think what teams are lacking, and it happens in the NFL, and and, and we're going to talk talk more about it in a little bit, is there's a system to all of this. When you sign a player that's coming in as a rookie, whether it's out of college or out of high school, hopefully out of college because because you get it's more sustainable, you have them on a rookie deal for about six years. If they come up early enough, you can now you have those rookie players, and then you could restart the system. You sign players to four-year deals. After the four-year deals are up, the players that were your on the rookie deals. Are gonna are gonna come up. You gotta sign them. You get rid of the old, and then you bring in the new. It's just, it, it, it's all a recurring system. So in my opinion, when you look at a team like the Astros, you have George Springer, Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve, Lance McCullers, Dallas Keuchel will come up. You needed a closer. You get Hector Rondon. You needed a you need a extra hand in the outfield. You get JJ Redick. You need more Josh Redick. Josh Redick. Sorry, JJ Redick is a point guard for the Sixers. <laughs> my bad. Um. You look. You need a pitcher, Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole. You need to be able to consistently restock the load. And I think there's teams now, like the Marlins and the Mets and the Phillies, that are starting to kind of do that. The Phillies a little less, a little less than the others, but the Mets. They got Noah Syndergaard. They got Jacob Degrom. They have Ahmed Rosario. Peter Alonso's coming up. They sign you in the Cespedes. You. They are in a win now situation, barring injuries. Where they can now go out and they can get Adam Jones on a two-year deal to re- to restock the load. They can get Gio Gonzalez, who yeah. who's, who's still available nowadays. They don't need a Dallas Keuchel or a, or a Craig Kimbrell. They traded for for Edwin Diaz. They have their closer of the future. And actually, this is a good segue into the the NFL, in, yeah, into understanding with the NFL because Antonio Brown is trying to get traded. Le'Veon Bell is a free agent. There's teams like the Cardinals, the Broncos, the Raiders. Who they all want a B. There's other teams like again the Raiders and the Cardinals and and now the Miami the Miami Dolphins who want Le'Veon Bell. And the NFL is a lot easier than the MLB because in the NFL you drop the guy and he comes right up. So yeah, like, he goes so, he goes right to the pro squad. So so you look at the mock drafts that's currently uh, going on within the NFL and we'll take the 49ers. Nick Bosa is projected so long as Kyler Murray doesn't go to the Cardinals, which that's a different story in of itself. If Nick Bosa goes to the to the 49ers, the 49ers have their quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, who's still on a rookie deal for the next three years. They're going to get Nick Bosa. They're going to restock the the line. They need to sign a they need to sign a free agent offensive tackle. They need to look towards the wide receiver position. The 49ers can vie for a Super Bowl in the next three years because eventually they're going to sign Jimmy Garoppolo. They're still going to have Nick Bosa on a rookie deal. They're going to have two offensive linemen on rookie deals. You unfortunately the, the they were to Ruben Foster because of his di- because of his issues, but you have DeForest Bruckner, and you have a lot of different options th- that can work. Let's actually now move into the Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell situation. Teams like the Raiders, like the Cardinals, like the Broncos, who the Broncos are losing everything. All they have now is Von Miller. The Cardinals have nothing ha- have nothing now, and th- and now they're even considering dropping Josh Rosen for Kyler Murray. And the Raiders specifically, the Raiders got rid of Khalil Mack. Which is the dumbest decision they've ever made, but it was it worked out terrifically for the Bears. Absolutely, but but looking at the Raiders, they signed Marshawn Lynch, didn't do nothing. They they signed Doug Martin, didn't do anything. The Raiders are now falling under that cultural spell that the Browns had. But what's the point in signing Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell when you can look at the drafts and and as a team like the Oakland Raiders who who needs who needs offensive weapons and defensive weapons. 
You can get Josh Allen from Kentucky. You can get Jawan Taylor from Florida. You can get Quinton Williams from Alabama or even Nick Bosa. The problem is, is that you can get a guy on a rookie contract for five years in the NFL, and, and that's all you need. And a team like the Cardinals, who are already considering scrapping a first-round pick from, from this past year, who's on a five-year rookie deal and now getting another rookie quarterback... Yeah. It's, it's stupid. It's pointless. I think that if you are the Cardinals, though, you have to look at your current situation. You lost Bruce Arias and you lost Carson Palmer to retiring this past or like last 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 season. So you have to bring in a new head coach and you have to train a rookie quarterback and you have an aging wide receiver and uh, maybe a gold standard corner and that's basically your team right there. And then you have Chandler Jones, but. Other than those players that I just mentioned, can you name me anybody else on the Cardinals that's relevant? You really can't. I mean, David Johnson, but David Johnson's lost his touch. Yeah, so so you understand that the Cardinals want to make it work with who they can make it work with, and if that is bringing in a guy like Kyler Murray, if it's bringing in a guy like Nick Bosa, then that's what they're going to do in order to get back to that elite status. I was telling you earlier today when we were prepping for the show that just like two or three years ago, the Cardinals were considered a top threat in the NFC. Just a few, just like four or five years ago, they were in the NFC Championship, or they were in the divisional round against the Packers. And the Packers, or no, and the Cardinals, they won that game. Yeah. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, the Cardinals are not far removed from elite status in the NFL. And they're thinking, how can we get back to that status? The quarterback is 50% of the team because he distributes the ball. Absolutely. And then the other 25% is the rest of the offense, and then 25% is your defense. And when the quarterback changes hands, like, like quickly, you don't have time. And because the Cardinals did not have time to say, okay, let's put Carson, let's put, uh, let's put, um, who, who was their, Josh Rosen. They drafted Josh Rosen. Let's put, instead of drafting Josh Rosen the year Carson Palmer retired, they said, we're just going to pick Josh Rosen. We're going to throw him right in there. They didn't give him time to develop. Pat Mahomes sat a year behind Alex Smith, and he learned and he grew, and he became the NFL MVP. Yes, but Garoppolo sat behind Brady for years, but grew what, up to be one of the highest-paid quarterbacks. When you're in a team situation like that, you need someone to come in immediately. The Tennessee Titans threw Marcus Mariota into the pit immediately. And it, took them, and it took them a long time to get to to get to this to get to the playoffs. But at the same time, though, you still need that need that development. I, in my opinion, I'm all for throwing the guy throwing the guy right into the pot and just stir it, see what happens. At the end of the day, people should not. And this uh, this brings up uh, the Josh Rosen versus Colin Murray debate. Josh Rosen last year played 14 games. He completed 55 percent of his passes. Threw for 2,600 yards, had 11 touchdowns to 14 picks. There's one other player that had that had similar stats, and it was Peyton Manning. Now, Peyton Manning played all 16 games. He completed only a percent more of his passes, and he threw 26 touchdowns to 28, to 28 picks. But Peyton Manning had Marvin, had Marvin Harrison. He had Marshall Falk in his fourth year. He had two very competent tight ends in Ken Diggler and Marcus Pollard. Josh Rosen had a banged-up David Johnson, an old Larry Fitzgerald, and Austin Safarian Jenkins to catch his passes. Josh Rosen ha- doesn't have what Peyton Manning had, but Josh Rosen also had a last-ranked offensive line. Peyton Manning had a top-15 ranked offensive line. Okay, I know, I, I the, agree with you. My my argument over the Josh Rosen uh, situation is that the that taking Kyler Murray is all good, is all well and good, but don't don't fall off and waste. And waste your your fifth overall pick from the year from the year before. But so like I have to I have to think about so you think about the elite quarterbacks in the league right now and my top three elite quarterbacks in the league right now I have Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and Tom Brady. I think Baker Mayfield's on the cusp. I I think Baker Mayfield has a long way to go. Just I think he's, he's a, I think he's on the cusp. Your player, but that's why I said he's on the cusp. So if you think about Tom Brady sat a year behind Drew Bledsoe. Aaron Rodgers sat a couple years behind Favre. And then naturally he came into his place. Russell Wilson, he was thrown into but he was thrown in there with a great defense and a good head coach. 
and one of the one, a generational running back. So some of these some of these players, it takes them a while to develop. Josh Rosen was thrown in there with one of the worst teams ever. I would have said Carson Palmer, you know, we'll pay you a little bit more to come back and play one more year, and we'll sit we'll sit uh, we'll sit Josh Rosen behind you for a year, and then in, then you can retire next year, and Josh Rosen will take over the offense and will and will still be a 500 team in a weak NFC West. All right, so I'm gonna play the uh, the opposite hand here. Eli Manning was thrown into a situation where, yeah, he had a great defense, but he had not many offensive weapons. Tiki Barber was on his last leg. The top wide receiver at the time, I don't even know who it was. I think Plastico Burris was just starting out. Eli Manning didn't really have it. And, and Players like Peyton Manning. And it took the Giants was, a long time to get to the Super Bowl. Peyton Manning was just thrown into the pot. You don't need to sit a year in order to be successful in the NFL. But Peyton was a generational talent when he was drafted. He was like he was the next he was the next Joe Montana, and he and he only and he and he was insane coming out of Tennessee. And then everyone fell off the bandwagon after his first year, and they were like, "Ah, get rid of get get, get rid of him." He threw more picks than touchdowns. No, don't don't look at it that way. Now, now let's look at Kyler Murray. So Kyler Murray is uh, he opted to not throw at the combine. He literally showed up to weigh in. I, I have a theory, but do his height. Do his height to prove everybody that just because you're just, just 5'11 doesn't mean you can't be good in the NFL. And it's almost universally certain, according to Kim Jones of the NFL, that Kyler Murray will go number one to the Cardinals. I, When you look at Kyler Murray and you look at the quarterback situation, he, he's going to get thrown into the pot immediately because because what's going to happen is is they're going to trade Josh Rosen probably a third round draft pick before before the draft begins if they already know Kyler Murray is going to go number one. So what's going to so so what's going to happen there? So I'm I'm going to pull out the Seattle Seahawks. I'm going to play the Seattle Seahawks card one more time. Let's hear it. Here it is. So the Seattle Seahawks did exactly what the Cardinals did and say we're going to throw the quarterback in in his first year. Um. But here's what the Seattle Seahawks did. Do you know who the quarterback was before Russell Wilson? It was Matt Hasselback. I knew that. And the only reason why people know it was Matt Hasselback was because in the overtime of a playoff game, he they they won the coin toss to open the and he said, We're gonna get the ball and we're gonna win and then he threw a pick six to lose the game. <laughs> That's the reason why people know Matt Hasselback was the quarterback of the Seahawks before Russell Wilson. But what the Seahawks did is after after Hasselback was out, they were like, okay, we can't just we can't just draft another quarterback and throw him into the fire. We have to build a team around him. So they trained up Bobby Wagner and Richard Sherman and the rest of the Legion of Boom that goes down as one of the greatest defenses of all time. And then they said, okay, now we can go and pick our quarterback. They picked the versatile Russell Wilson in his rookie year. He he was he was average. And then in his second year in the league, you know what he does? He goes and he wins the Super Bowl. So you have to build that team around him before you can go and draft that quarterback and throw that quarterback into the fire. So I think if you're the Cardinals, pick Nick Bosa, get your defense back to elite status, and then go and pick your quarterback. The quarterbacks in this draft are not good outside of Dwayne Haskins and Kyler Murray. I haven't, you know... I think people are just going to sit and wait for to see what Trevor Lawrence does in two years. I agree. I I think Trevor Lawrence is actually the real deal. That's just me. Um, but let's so speaking of quarterbacks, let's move over to two quarterback situations that is going to be increasingly interesting. The Oakland Raiders are apparently wanting trying to literally dump the load. They want to get rid of Derek Carr. They want to get rid of Marshawn Lynch. They want to get rid of literally every single asset they have and just start anew. And then. Uh, on the other end of the uh, United States, down in Jacksonville, Nick Foles is almost a guarantee, according to the Jacksonville front office. What do you think of that? Um, I think when I when I did M&M with Nick, I I said this, and I stand by it. And Nick strongly disagrees with me. I think that Nick Foles is the greatest quarterback to ever play for the Philadelphia Eagles. That is my yes. You're looking at me like I have 16 heads right now. I believe Nick like Foles. Heads. Okay, Nick Foles was the backup quarterback to Carson Wentz in, in that season where everyone said Carson Wentz would have won MVP if he didn't tear his ACL. But Carson Wentz played a year before he tore his ACL. He was average. 
You know, he was that, that was his rookie year. You know, he was average. He was thrown into the fire. And then he comes back his second year. He's elite, gets hurt. And then Nick Foles carries that team of underdogs. And people can't see it, but I'm putting underdogs in quotation marks. And they go and they beat the greatest team, the greatest dynasty ever assembled in professional sports. Nick Foles is the greatest quarterback in Eagles history. He's better than Donovan McNabb. He's better than Carson Wentz. I think Nick Foles is more a product of his system. So when you look at Nick Foles' first year under Andy Reid, that that was really that the, was like 2009, right? Yeah, and he was ecstatic. He, like, like he was incredible. I think what the, I think the big thing about Nick Foles is that, that he has the talent, but it's it's one of those things that he. He's good in situations, but the problem is, is that he needs the he needs the system and the coaching to really be able to perform uh, the way he does. I'm going to totally totally disagree with you in saying he's the best Eagles quarterback ever because not only Nav easily is. <coughs> so so here's here's what I have to say about the whole Eagles quarterback situation. The Eagles have two good quarterbacks. Okay, Carson Wentz is a good quarterback. He just brings bad juju to the Eagles. He just does not fit with those players. His own players are calling out and saying, are calling him out and saying he's a bad teammate. If your own players are saying he's a bad teammate, then he's not the fit for that franchise. Nick Foles won a Super Bowl with you, brought you back to the playoffs this year, and should have won if not for a dropped pass. Nick Foles put that right in Alshon Jeffrey's breadbasket and he dropped it. And that so that is not Nick Foles' fault. Nick Foles brought that team. Back to the playoffs, back from the dead, and now they're going to just let him walk? I mean, he's the magic that the Eagles need. I'm all about winning now. If I'm the Eagles, I can I have the talent to win now. I have essentially the same roster. Ajay Ajayi, he's on his way back from a knee injury, and I can have Nick Foles, the guy who wins us games when we need to. I can have him starting at quarterback, and I can let the guy that brings bad juju to the team, I can trade him for a first-round pick or an elite receiver, and and that that's what they need to do. So this is my this has been my argument when it comes to trading players is that trading a pick is a lot better than trading a player. And Carson Wentz is on that rookie contract that we, that that I always say is so lucrative because the Eagles the Eagles did what teams should have done. You have a guy on, on a rookie contract. He bought you all the way there. Granted, he got hurt and Nick Foles came in, but. They had the guys on the rookie deals that mattered. They had Lane Johnson, they had Carson Wentz, they had Alshon Jeffrey, and then they won a Super Bowl. I think with Carson Wentz and Nick Foles, I'd rather I'd rather keep Nick Foles. Uh, I'm sorry, keep Carson Wentz. You almost said it. I know. Almost changed your mind. No, I'd rather keep Carson Wentz because he's still on the rookie contract. Get rid of Nick Foles instead of paying him the uh, the ten million dollars he wants, and get a player that 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 will sufficiently help the Eagles. Instead of having uh, just just more money thrown away, because again, you you're now wasting away your first overall draft pick that you spent so much on to the Browns, and the Browns are still uh. reeling it in because of it. Oh, the Browns got- the Browns just had a bad front office. They had bad coaches, and they had a bad they had outside of Joe Thomas. They had absolutely no good players. But that was the greatest deal that that front office had ever made. John Dorsey is swimming in it right now well, because with that he got Denzel Ward, mind. he got Miles Garrett, he he was able to get uh, Jarvis Landry for one of those picks. Joel Batonio, uh, and not to uh, mention so the, the, the next big quarterback in the NFL, Baker Mayfield. We have to take a short break, but when we come back, we are going to talk about the failing Lake Show. Or as I call it, the fake show. The fake show. That is that's a better way to put it. You are listening to ninety-eight one WQAQ, Mac and Maine. It's a new year and a new WQAQ. So make your resolution to tune in to ninety-eight point one FM. Soundtrack of Quinnipiac. Small Talk Salon in Hamden specializes in men's and women's haircuts, color, extensions, and styling for all occasions. And it's only a short drive from the Quinnipiac campus. Small Talk Salon is located on Whitney Avenue, right off the Route 40 connector in the Mount Carmel Plaza. Hours and appointments are available at 203-821-7584 or online at smalltalksalon.com. Again, that's 203-821-7584 or online at smalltalksalon.com. Every day, the men and women of the United States Marine Corps 
demonstrate their commitment to defend the American way of life. Since 1775, wherever the mission takes us, we always remember the land we call home. As Marines, we take a stand for our nation, for us all. The few, the proud, the Marines. Salon in Hamden specializes in men's and women's haircuts, color, extensions, and styling for all occasions. And it's only a short drive from the Quinnipiac campus. Small Talk Salon is located on Whitney Avenue, right off the Route 40 connector in the Mount Carmel Plaza. Hours and appointments are available at 203-821-7584 or online at smalltalksalon.com. Again, that's 203-821-7584 or online at smalltalksalon.com. Lakers are saying right now. Win, win, win. Just kidding. Hey, so Steve, do you remember when the Los Angeles Lakers signed LeBron James and they thought they had the world figured out? I mean, they kind of did. And then, and then, and then, let's just like, let's just like get our binoculars out and look and see the Western Conference standings right now. And you know what I see? I see the Lakers are four and a half games out of the eighth seed, oh. and they lost to the very lowly. Phoenix Suns last night. Who do they have? They, do they still have Devin Booker? Like, is he still the man yeah. down there in Phoenix? So. Yeah, they, <laughs> they have Devin Booker. They have uh, I think Josh Johnson or J- J- Justin Johnson. Uh, incredible, credible, credible uh, rookie athlete. So you, I think you have a rant here ready yeah. to go. First of all, yes, Josh Jackson. That's one thing. Uh, they also have DeAndre Ayton, Mikael Bridges. Like they have, like they have a great roster. All right, but but hang on. Before you get in, Go we we do have to plug the social media one more time, and also let you guys all know that our if you have missed any of our shows, they are all up on Shout Engine as podcasts. They are all right around an hour long. You go to ShoutEngine.com, type in The Mac and Main Show. That's an ampersand. <laughs> Love the ampersands. <laughs> ampersand for and. Uh, and you go ahead and you can listen to all the shows except for the second show. There was a little bit of a glitch in the software and we were unable to recover that uh, episode, but all it will be posted. Others. It'll all be posted. Um, a link tonight and, it'll be, and it will be pinned as well as in our bio. So please take a listen. Uh, my crowning achievement is going through 30 teams in an hour and going absolutely wild. But anyways, LeBron James and the fake show, as my title goes. They're four and a half games out of the eighth seed. And what LeBron James has done this year is unlike what he's done in Miami. It's unlike what he's done in Cleveland. It's simply the fact that he has not been a good enough leader to this team. And we're going to pull up a soundbite also from, from the herd from today where Colin Coward talks about the problem with LeBron James and the situation with the Lakers. Jack, pull it up. One of the things we always hear about Tom Brady, every time we bring somebody on the show that's played with Tom Brady, what do they always say? He walks up to the rookies, hi, I'm Tom Brady. And they're like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I have your jersey in my bedroom as a kid. Tom is stepping off the stage. He's connecting with you. 
I noticed it first with Obama about 10 years ago. I'm like, man, does that guy get it. It's not just about the stage. It's about stepping off it. Do a selfie. Do a high five. A hug. The great ones do it. And I think, so the big thing about Tom Brady is that, that he was connecting with his rookies. LeBron James hasn't done that. LeBron James, three or four years ago, told Dan Gilbert, I want Andrew Wiggins off my roster because I want Kevin Love because I don't want to teach a rookie how to ball up. I want Kevin Love to sit in the corner, shoot threes, let me run the show, and we're going to win a championship, and they did it in 2016. And, I mean, I have to, you know, LeBron is hands down the second greatest player, if not the greatest player in NBA history, a debate for a different day. And I feel like we say that every time we talk about the the uh, the Jordan versus LeBron debate. I see Matt, Matt, Matt Ball, or Dan Ball, rather, in the, in the studio saying, yeah, LeBron. Hey, look, uh, look. I, I, I'm sure to throw it out there. LeBron James is the greatest player of all time. Uh, okay. Um, so, but when it comes to LeBron and his leadership, I think I have to look at last year's Cavaliers roster. The Cavaliers last year took uh, the last year. The Cavaliers they signed D Wade out of Chicago, and they were like, okay, finally we have a guy that can actually like that understands LeBron. He's played with him before in Miami. He's won championships with him in Miami, and now all of a sudden it's like, okay. Uh, let's get rid of you, and let's get rid of 90% of the starting lineup, and let's bring in guys like George Hill. Let's, let's count on Tristan Thompson being a, being a great player for us. But at the same time, though, what, what LeBron James did in Cleveland and what he did in Miami, it was his team, it was his cast, it was like he was running a movie shoot. He, he picked his players. Cleveland's top scorers in 2016 when they won the championship was LeBron, Kyrie, Kevin Love, Kyle Korver, J.R. Smith, all veterans, all guys that had the ability to hoop. He traded away Andrew Wiggins, like I said. LeBron James, as just he, when he when he walked into the locker room in uh, in L.A., he saw Kyle Kuzma, he saw Lonzo Ball, he saw Brandon Ingram, and he said, "Hi guys, this is my team. You're gonna follow along, and I'm not gonna show you how to follow along. You're just gonna figure it out as we go." And that was and that was where Luke Walton's job was to be like, all right, look, guys, we're gonna run the offense through LeBron. This is what we're gonna do, A, B, and C. So, tell me what is a better team, this year's Los Angeles Lakers or last year's Cavaliers? Just on paper, on paper, what is the better team, last year's Cavs or this year's Lakers? Easily this year's Lakers. So why is it that last year's Cavs were able to make the NBA Finals? Because LeBron James managed to create a supporting cast. We're, we're, like you said, we're going to scrap everything. We're going to get, we're going to sign guys like Grant Hill and other weapons that LeBron knows can, can produce. Channing Frye was one of the best shooters on, on all LeBron's, uh, Cavs teams. Channing Frye followed LeBron to Miami. He followed him to Cleveland. Richard Jefferson did the same thing. Shane Battier followed him to Miami. Role players. Kyle Corver's another one. Role players that have been on the team forever with LeBron James, and he knows if I need a three in the corner, he's my guy. Ray Allen in Miami won, won in the finals. Yeah, I mean, that's no lie. LeBron James hasn't connected with Rob Palenka, general manager of the Lakers. He hasn't connected with Luke Walton, at least with David Blatt and Tyron Lue. Spend, he spends all of his time with MJ, well, well, or with Magic Johnson. Exactly. That's when I say by MJ. But MJ is so hands-off, at least with David Blatt and Ty Lue, like they were engaged with something. Luke Walton hasn't been engaged with LeBron James the whole season. So there was a there was a report that came out, I saw it on Twitter the other day, uh, while I was in New York, that there is a possibility that if... Luke Walton doesn't figure it out by the end of this year that they're going to take him out and they're going to bring in um, Ty Lue. Oh, and they're going to do it because because the Lakers need to rebuild. The Lakers need to figure out how we can help LeBron. And when LeBron went went to Cleveland and he went to Miami, there weren't any real there weren't any true rookies on the roster. Hassan Whiteside didn't play in Miami. Um, when you look at the Cavaliers roster. The average age of the Cavs roster was 33 years old. Everyone was old. Everyone knew what they were doing. Kyle Korver was 37. Jared Smith was 33. Richard Jefferson was 34. Like you had guys that knew that, that knew what they were doing. Said, "All right, 
I'm not going to be the star here. I'm going to I'm going to be the role player. Kyle Kuzma went from averaging 28 points a game to now averaging like 14 and a half. Lonzo Ball isn't getting the opportunity that, that he wanted. I I totally agree. LeBron I mean, well, James. here's the thing. I think we are seeing. I'm uh, sorry to cut you off. Yeah. But I think that we are seeing how much Lonzo Ball actually means to the Lakers. A few weeks ago, we were talking about Lonzo Ball possibly playing for the Pelicans, and now we're now Lonzo's hurt, and we're saying and we're looking at him and we're saying, oh my God, he's one of the best defensive point guards in the league, and now he's and now he's hurt. And we can't win with LeBron and Kuzma and Stevenson. I totally agree. No, I mean, this is a problem. We have a caller on the line. Oh, absolutely. Oh, oh let's hear so it. Let's, let's, let's bring this guy in. Um, alrighty. Can you hear us? Yes, we can hear you. Okay. Caller, what's your name and where are you from? Uh, Parker Maine, and I'm from Burlington, Vermont. Oh, God, this is your brother? This is so, so oh, Bartolo Colon's a Hall of Famer. We went over it already. Oh yeah, I, I'm I'm just saying right now that I think the Cavaliers from last year are a far better team than this year's Lakers. Well, I mean that's that's obvious by the way that they've been playing, but by the way that by on paper, I'm taking Lonzo Ball over George Hill, and I'm taking I'm take I'm, I'm going to take Kuzma over Kevin Love as of right now. If you when you when you put the experience together that the Cavaliers had last year, it's far superior to the experience that the Lakers have. Yes, but when you look at the roster that the Cavs put together, if you take LeBron off the roster, they're the same roster that the Cavs had the Cavs have without LeBron and a rookie Kyrie Irving, who won twenty something games. Like yes, I understand the point where. Having guys like Richard Jefferson and having guys like Kevin Love, Iman Shumpert, Tristan Thompson, like they're, they're all veterans. They all know what they're doing. But when you look at the Lakers roster, you have all-stars across the board potentially uh, potentially in the future. Kyle Kuzma is leading a squad, honestly, and I was saying this uh, at the trade deadline. Looking back at it now, had the Lakers pulled the trigger on, on the AD trade, it actually probably would have been better for them. Because now, because now LeBron James can just sign a bunch of guys who, who he knows will produce. Uh, yeah, LeBron will be able to, to sign guys that he know will be able to produce. So I don't have to worry about Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram trying to develop them, and, so, he, and, and it'd be him and AD running so, the show. So here's what I think is going to happen with the Lakers. I think that LeBron is going to take some sort of super drug, and I'm just saying he's going to take, you know, metaphorically, he's going to take some sort of super drug, and he's going to be able to drug the Lakers to the eighth seed in the West, and he's going to he's going to get to the Western Conference Finals, lose to the Warriors, and then he's going to realize that he needs another star, and he's going to try and get Kyrie or AD or KD over to the Lakers. That's what's going to happen. Right. I, I 100% agree with that, but I don't think that LeBron has a chance of getting to the finals without an all-star. Oh, no, not a chance. Not a chance. You're right. Kevin Love? for any team. Kevin Love was that other guy that the Lakers, uh, that, the, that the Cavaliers needed to get to the finals. If Kevin Love doesn't play... Right, if Kevin Love's not on the Cavaliers on those four years that LeBron's there, they don't make any finals. I mean, Kevin Love right. barely played their last their last year together. Anyway, we got to let you go, but thanks for calling in. Thank you for having me. So, I, th- I think this is actually a good uh, a good point to bring up that LeBron James is this polarizing figure, and I think coming to LA, everyone kind of thought, yeah, you know what, he might be able to figure it out. He'll he'll do fine, but. Again, you look back at the veteran players that he had. Now he has a whole young roster. I think next year, next year is going to try and pull on a Kawhi, pull on a Kyrie, somebody. But I think LeBron didn't look at the look at the big picture before signing with uh, LA. I think he saw back into my career. I'm going to wrap up. I'm going to be able to do my movie shoots in the off season and not have to worry. But he didn't look at Rob Palenka isn't Dan Gilbert. David Blatt and Tyron Lue isn't Luke Walton. He doesn't have that team that he once had. He doesn't have the comfortability that he yeah. had in Cleveland. Yeah, well, like LeBron James had Cleveland. He owned it. We have to continue on with the show, so we are going to move on to everybody's favorite segment, the Blitz for Six. I th- is this? Is this? Are we just like the audio is just like not working? 
Huh? Okay, well, we're just going to go ahead and roll with it. So, uh, Blitz for Sticks, we're going to talk about the spring training performances so far of the spring. Go ahead, Steve, you want to go ahead and take this one? Uh, yeah, so Michael, Chav- Michael Chavis, Chavez, wh- whatever it Boston is. Boston Red Sox top prospect. It's still a week, and I still don't know his name. Oh, he, oh the there it is. <laughs> he leads baseball with four home runs right now. I still think spring training stats are a bunch of crap. Robinson can't sell, hit seven ho- home runs, and then didn't play again for the New York Mets. Um, also in baseball, there's still rumors now of Mike Trout's contract possibly going to the Phillies. <coughs> People are saying $500 million. Do you think he can actually make that? Um, I Okay, so I, I mentioned this to you. Back in 2015, when everyone was, was looking at Harper becoming a free agent in 2018, everyone was like, Harper's going to be the first $500 million guy. And I think everyone thought really far ahead that money was going to be that far, that was going to be that advanced in the future. And then we realized, oh, wait, it was just three years ahead of time, we're still in this $250, $300 million range. He still didn't sign for no chump change, but at the same time, he was, you know, just, you know, it it just wasn't the amount of money that everyone thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. So... Harper, or when it comes to Trout, I think he can be the first $400 million player because I think Bryce Harper is worth every single cent that every American owns. I disagree. No, Trout is worth that amount of money. Mike Trout's worth the money that Bryce Harper's making and and more. Oh, my God. Mike Trout is is a top... If he continues at this pace and he plays for 14 more years, he is a top four player in Major League history. I'm putting him up there with Babe Ruth and Ted Williams. and, And, I mean, I can't even... Just, just insane player, Mike Trout. I agree with you. Now let's move on to college hoops. Zion Williamson is supposed to be back in in his next game for the Blue Devils. They're approaching their their the ACC tournament. What's the deal? Um, so Coach K he came out and he said that uh, they are in no rush to bring back Zion Williamson. And why would he bring be in a rush to bring back Zion? Because you know that he's going to the NBA next year. The Duke Blue Devils are. St- Still one of the better teams in all of college basketball. Even without Zion, they still have Cam Reddish. And so he can carry that load that Zion wasn't bringing. You lose you lose 10 boards and, and 20 points, but you can easily make that up by spreading the ball around a little more. And and we're going to bring it down now. Um, UNC, they're creeping up slowly uh, while the Vols are dying. Is that Virginia? Uh, no, the Vols are all... Are in Tennessee. UNC is slowly starting to creep up. They started out at 12. They're, they're already up to now 4. The Zags are the team to beat, but the Volunteers have fallen down to, down to the 7th spot. And UVM won the American East. Oh, don't give me all, all that. You know what? If we're going to talk about UVM, we'll talk about Quinnipiac. So Quinnipiac finished 3rd in the MAC, and they finished 1st in the ECAC on the hockey side. First, let's, first, let's break down basketball. So this weekend is the MAC tournament. Uh, they're going to be playing the winners of Monmouth Niagara, and from there they're going to play the winner of Canisius and and the winner of of Manhattan and Fairfield. I don't think they're going to win the tournament. I think they're going to end up uh, possibly in no a CBI. The home team. I, I honestly don't. Um, they live and die by the three, and I appreciate what they've done this year. They've done great. I think next year is going to be another one of those years that, that they got to figure out what's going on with Cam Young leaving. And now moving over to QU Hockey. I was at Yale the other day, and that's the world's ugliest arena. It looks like literally a Viking ship. Really? Called the, uh, the English Arena. You can look it up. But everything had to happen right for Quinnipiac Hockey for them to move on. They had, they, to, they had to score four goals, and they had to have Cornell lose. Well, Stephen Pappas was, was going well, over every single scenario. So they had to win. Cornell had to tie or lose to Clarkson. Harvard had to lose to Union, and all of it happened. Cornell and Clarkson tied up in, a, tied up, uh, in OT. Clarkson scored 45 seconds left in the game. Union beat Harvard 4-2. Four, four and now they head to the ECAC tournament next week, playing the winner, uh, play, playing the winner of whichever whoever, whoever whoever is the lowest seed. They're a lock for the NCAA tournament. They're going to Lake Placid. I don't know what's going to happen next, but all I know is it's going to be wild. We're going to finish up winners and losers. Who's your winner for the week, Jack? Okay, so my winner, I got to shed the love on the home team, the Quinnipiac men's ice hockey team, going into Yale and sweeping the Yale series. And bringing home the ECAC Cup, I love that. I mean, my first year at Quinnipiac here, this looks like a, one of the best hockey teams that I have ever seen established. That's going to be my winner of the week. Go ahead and with yours. So my loser of the week is going to be Luke Walton because he doesn't deserve any of the slack that he's getting from the Lakers. He's going to get fired, but he and LeBron James never had a good relationship. LeBron James did distance himself 
from the roster, and Luke Walton, instead of playing puppet, is now being the scapegoat of all of the problems. That's going to wrap it up. There's no show next week due to the spring break. I wish there was. Maybe maybe we'll do a, uh, a podcast, but we'll let you know. Next up is Dan Ball, Matt McAuliffe from the Bleachers. You're listening to 98.1 WQAQ, the soundtrack of Quinnipiac. See you in two weeks. See ya. We've got the classics. We've got the current hits. And everything in between. This is WQAQ 98.1 Hamden, the soundtrack of Quinnipiac. What we have here. Some great.
everything hooks, everything works, you're a real good cause, I'm a real good verse, freestyle unrehearsed, so clean, no curse, and when it's on domain, everything hurts, so I put it in reverse, go back to the scene where I seen you first, yeah, I need you to sing that single again, play that video I seen you a band, a hundred million fans in my mind all day, calling in requests on the line always, yeah, the president of your fan club, leading players all behind like a band Like a timeout in tennis for a finish How'd I get in this? Maybe what's your hair? Maybe what's your flair? Maybe it's the heels and the way you wear Maybe it's your real and the way you care You don't care if I'm ill or a millionaire The only thing that matters is that the feeling's there Your smile's so bright it's like a grill